funny story. I've told this several times that a friend of mine years ago came to me and he was like, I want to see my top two abs. And I just started laughing. Like that's the weirdest request I've ever heard of my life. Never heard anyone say that, but he had a good build on him. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to eat like you, but um, I really just, I just want to start seeing definition come in there. And we laid out his diet and we looked at it and I just basically had him, you know, move to like an 80, 20, like we, we pretty much eliminated a lot of junk, but we still allowed him to have a little bit of it here and there. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, just trust me and take this approach. And, Let's talk in three, four weeks. And when he came back to me, he took his shirt off and he was, oh my God, look at this. And I was wow, like actually worked better than I thought. And then he turned to me and he said the magic words. He's like, well, what's next? And that's what it's about, right? Like I, I think the big problem is that people will embark on this health and wellness journey. And it's tough to stay motivated when you don't see progress, right? Or it's tough to stay motivated when you're killing yourself, you know, day in and day out and you're, and you're not feeling like you can have your cake and eat it too. So I, I think uh, the majority of the people out there are struggling with this level of consistency. I really do believe that this is 100% mental. This isn't 80% nutrition, 20% training. This is 100% mental. And I think if you feel like you're unable to be successful, creating a new expectation is the approach you need to take. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is celebrity trainer Don Saladino. Don is one of the most trusted names in health and fitness and has a reputation for training some of your favorite movie stars. His client roster includes Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, Sebastian Stan, and Blake Lively. Don's wisdom and expertise on fitness, nutrition, and getting shredded is unmatched, and I think you're really going to enjoy our discussion. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Don Saladino to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Don Saladino, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, brother. Psyched to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been looking forward to doing this for a long time. I mean, I've I've been in the industry for eleven years now, and I've been you've been somebody that's been an inspiration to me as a professional, as somebody who's in the space who's been you've been doing this for for a long time, and I just admire what you've created, how you've reinvented yourself, how you also prioritize your family amidst the busyness of of our profession, and I think it's it's quite inspirational. Thank you, appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's not always easy, you know. It's uh. Time management has always been a has always been a challenge, but um, fortunately, I have a supportive family, and they uh, allow me to do what I need to do. Yeah, that's amazing. It's a great thing to have. And we were kind of chatting a little bit before we recorded, just about a few things. And one of the things is that you've been on the road like crazy lately, and a lot of people that you coach, a lot of the people that I work with, just people in general, they struggle to not only eat healthy on the road, they struggle with getting proper sleep. They struggle with getting in their workouts. So, and I'm sure you, you probably have your, your own struggles with this, with your own, the own standards you hold yourself to when it comes to your health and fitness, like what have been some of your strategies lately with the amount of travel at making sure you're optimizing your health? Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, it gets tough, right? Like you're out of your comfort zone. You're not traveling with Tupperware. I would be if I was prepping for something, but most of the time, if it's timed out in a way where I don't need to prep with Tupperware, I'm not going away packing boxes of Tupperware and chicken and ice and stuff like that. You know, you're, you're going out to business dinners, 
you know, you're meeting with people, you got to do your best. You got to sometimes, you know, lean into the culture and what they have to offer a bit. You know, I was just in Munich, Germany. I'm not going to be sitting there asking for chicken and rice, you know, like or steamed vegetables. No, you let your hair down. But I, I think it's that 95% of the year that you really are spot on with everything and really paying attention to digestion and macro and micronutrients and really getting in the things that you need to allow yourself to be successful. I think this now allows you to have a little bit of flexibility when you're on the road. I mean, the one thing that, that I'll never budge on is I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always training like, right. Like I, I landed in Munich last Wednesday and um, I'm preparing for um, the GI go fund razor, which is a swim from Jersey around the statue of Liberty and Ellis Island all the way up to South Manhattan. So I had to get into a pool. So, you know, I got into an Uber with my buddy Tiago who flew in from Portugal to help assist me do some speaking. And um, we took an hour Uber ride to the Olympic pool in Munich and paid the day pass and jumped in. And I remember looking at the clock, it was 5.15. I was like, all right, I got a good hour of training right now. I got to get it in. And afterwards, it was literally a reset button for me. So I think where a lot of people would say, oh, you know what? I'm tired. I didn't sleep a lot. I'm going to I'm gonna punt in my nervous system and my readiness and all this bullshit, right? It's it's this is more about you know here for me and uh, it's more about me getting in what I need to get in. And then there's other variables that you just can't control. There's no air conditioning in the hotel. Sleep's gonna get disrupted. Like it's just not. You know, I sleep in with the room really cold. You do the best you can. You come back here. You know, you might get sick or something might happen. Then, but then yeah, you know, you recover and you repair and you uh, kind of get right back at it. So I think that's probably what I do better than anyone is. You know, I don't look at, you know, days or, you know, veering off path as like, oh, I, you know, I, I screwed up or that was a mistake. I just look at that as part of the plan. And then, you know, I'm able to wake up the next day and say, all right, we're back on it. Right? If I have to prep for, you know, the cover of muscle fitness or cover of men's health, or I, I got something where I only, you know, I'm never really given a lot of time. It's three, four weeks for those things. Yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm like a robot and it could be, I remember I had one prep through uh, Christmas and I'm sitting there in front of my family eating food in the Tupperware. And they're eating pasta and meatballs. And, you know, you, you just do it. It's it just, it's part of, you know, what it is, you know, I do. And it's rewarding when you can go through things like that and then see a finished product and feel, and feel proud about what you've created. I think it's a great mindset to have to just know that this is all, I guess, part of the process. And there's going to be days where you're not able to eat the chicken and rice and vegetables are going to be days where you're not going to have perfect sleep or, or even like the perfect workout. But I think the point is like giving it the best you can and just making sure that you at least know that you gave it your best shot. And then you had fun along the way. And I would say that like a lot of people struggle with this. A lot of people that you've coached have struggled with the fact that they're all or nothing and they start this plan and they're like, all right, I'm going to eat oatmeal and egg whites for breakfast. I'm going to eat this for lunch, that for dinner. The minute life throws them a curveball and they go off, they're like off to the races for like days, weeks, or months, or just completely like, how do you help coach people in that process so that they can adapt a similar mentality? I mean, maybe not as like regimented as you, but a similar mentality, a, a mentality that just positions themselves that just because they eat a bad meal doesn't mean their plan is going to be screwed up small wins. I call them non-scale victories. And I think explaining to someone early on that, you know, when you're starting your new year's resolution, like this is not going to be where I want you to try and be perfect for three, four, five, six weeks. Cause at a certain point you're going to freak out and you're going to dive into something and you're going to go overboard. And, you know, then you're going to throw your hands up and be like, Oh, I messed up. I'm, I'm done. Like, again, I think it's understanding it's, it's creating an expectation of, of what it is. What do I want them to do? And all I want them to do is improve. Right. Like now, if, if 
I have a celebrity coming to me and they're like, well, I got to be on the, this magazine cover or I have to be in this movie role. My shirt's off. Then I have three, four weeks. Okay. Different answer to this, to this question. But I think for the majority of people out there who are trying to optimize energy levels, look better naked, you know, optimize recovery and just live their best life. I think understanding that perfection is not even, it, it, no, no one's done it. It's not, think about that. It's like, it, it's never been done. Like there's, there's not a human being that's never like not cheated off their diet. There's not a human being that's, that's you know, never not had, you know, something or, or maybe one day messed up on macros or missed a meal. It, it's physically impossible. So I think understanding that like going for this level of perfection is your first mistake. And taking a minimalistic approach sometimes is exactly what people need to do. I mean, we, we talk about taking a minimalistic approach when training athletes, right? It's, you know, are we trying to beat the living crap out of them? Are we trying to, you know, kill them with volume or kill them with intensity? No, you want to give them the right dosage to where they can enhance their sport and allow them to wake up the next day and feel recovered and, and bounce back. I, I think with nutrition, I've seen some pretty incredible progress from people who do not go in there you know, with this 100% all or nothing approach. I, I, funny story, I've told this several times, but um, I had a friend of mine years ago came to me and he was like, I want to see my top two abs. And I just started laughing. Like, that's the weirdest request I've ever heard in my life. Never heard anyone say that, but he had a good build on him. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to eat like you, but um, I really just, I just want to start seeing definition come in there. And we laid out his diet and we looked at it and I just basically had him, you know, move to like an 80-20. Like we, we pretty much eliminated a lot of junk, but we still allowed him to have a little bit of it here and there. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, just trust me and take this approach and let's talk in three, four weeks. And when he came back to me, he took his shirt off and he was, oh my God, look at this. And I was wow, like actually worked better than I thought. And then he turned to me and he said the magic words. He's like, well, what's next? And that's what it's about, right? Like, I, I think the big problem is that people will, will embark on this health and wellness journey and when you don't see, it's tough to stay motivated when you don't see progress, right? Or it's tough to stay motivated when you're killing yourself, you know, day in and day out and you're, and you're not feeling like you can have your cake and eat it too. So I, I think uh, the majority of the people out there are, you know, if, if they are struggling with this level of consistency, I really, I, I really do believe that this is 100% mental. This isn't 80% nutrition, 20% training. This is 100% mental. And I think if, you're, if you feel like you're unable to be successful, I think um, creating a new expectation is the approach you need to take. You're spot on, man. I mean, because there's so many people that it's easy to start like some like new health transformation and be perfect for like two weeks. But what happens when maybe the, maybe the scale doesn't move in the way they think it's going to move or they don't see the definition right away or they start to feel tired or whatever. I mean, fill in the blank with the things that happen when you start to make a journey or you start to change your health and go on this journey. But then it's like, how do you master the mindset? Like when you hit a plateau when like the, the negative BS starts creeping up in your mind or you're telling yourself you want to quit or what have you. And with that said, so like you've kind of laid out, I guess, like what is a, like a big part of what you do when you coach people to quote unquote, get shredded is really to set realistic expectations from like a training perspective, from a nutrition perspective perspective, like for somebody to get ripped, you know, and want to develop a better physique and look better naked, like what kind of things have to happen? Well, I think first off, it's understanding what their baseline is, right? Because what we might have to apply to you is going to be different than what we have to apply to myself. So I think it's understanding like where, where are we starting with here and what's their day-to-day -day look like? Because there's just so many factors that go beyond diet, right? Yeah. 
training has a lot to do with it. You know, people, oh, it's all diet. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay. Like it's, yeah, it has a lot to do with diet, but training has a lot to do with it. Like it, it really does. And rest and recovery have, have a lot to do with it. And stress levels have a lot to do with it. And training age, right? Like how experienced are you? Are you one of these people that have been training for 30 years? And like my buddy, Frank Seppi has been on over 500 magazine covers. When he needs to dial something in and get ready for a shoot in two, three weeks, it's going to respond a little bit differently than say, you know, your average Joe on the street that do not have that foundation. So I think that's the first thing. It's understanding like, what are we working with here? What are we trying to create? There was a very normal conversation I had with a lot of the actors where they would come into my office and I'd say, all right, we're getting ready for this role. Walk me through what do we need to look like here? And they would pull up pictures of, I mean, I've seen everything from Brad Pitt and Fight Club to an Olympic Russian shot putter, right? To, you know, um, Chuck Webner, you know, who Liam Schreiber trained to look like, who is uh, the real Rocky, right? So I've heard it all. I mean, I, I've, I've had people come into me and it's never always about, you know, dropping body fat. Sometimes it's about putting size on or sometimes it's about putting body fat on. So I think it's just understanding what are we trying to create and um, then mapping out a plan that's going to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, depending on the amount of time, like what do we have to do? If it's someone that doesn't have a, a good track record of staying consistent, then I think throwing my A game at them is going to be the worst thing to do, right? If it's someone that's just, oh my God, I always struggle and six days in, I always fail. Then as a coach, you better figure out a way to create something that is going to allow them that level of consistency. If you're Ryan Reynolds and you're, in my eyes, a machine, he's a robot, you know, you could just, you know, say, do this and he'll put his head down and he'll, he'll just do that. Like he just, but a lot of people aren't wired that way to show that level of consistency. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, one of the, the beautiful lessons you learn in the fitness industry is the one plan doesn't work for everybody. And you have to like, take it from a very individualistic approach. But I think with that said, there's, there's likely some common themes. I mean, I would imagine that people have to strength train, you know, if they want to put on muscle, right. And, and burn fat, they have to consume, they have to be in a calorie deficit if they're looking to, to lose weight or lose body fat, I, I think. Right. Or like, what are your thoughts on that? With everything getting more and more expensive, I am constantly looking for new ways to cut costs and find savings and also help my personal training clients do the same. That's why when it comes to buying my organic groceries and household goods, I am all about Thrive Market. With Thrive Market, you can shop everything from healthy pantry essentials to sustainable meat and seafood to frozen fruits and vegetables and non-toxic beauty products, and they are all delivered right to your door. Thrive Market carefully vets every product they carry so you can trust that if it's there, it's the best. Finding savings on items that matter most to you is easy with Thrive Market. You can find what you need because they have over 5,000 food, home, and beauty products. So if you are looking for plant-based, keto, or gluten-free, Thrive Market has you covered. Some of the things that I've really been enjoying from them lately are their chicken breasts, their fish, and their frozen veggies. Plus, when you shop with Thrive Market, you can save time and gas by not having to make that trip to the store because you can buy everything you need online. And best of all, if you happen to find a lower price elsewhere, Thrive Market will match it. So join Thrive Market today to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Doug Fitness to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's thrivemarket.com slash Doug Fitness. Again, it's thrivemarket.com slash Doug Fitness. Now back to the show. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I've battled with plenty of nutritionists out there. Caloric deficits work. But I think also cleaning up the type of calories someone's consuming and showing a level of consistency 
can improve body composition. If someone is turning around and they're, and they're eating a crappy diet of 3000 calories a day, but one day they're at 3,200, another day they're at 2,300, and there's all this volatility going in. If we get them up to that same level of calories that they were at and we show a level of consistency, but we kind of dry it out a little bit to where we're not feeding them processed foods and we're, and we got their protein around a gram to 1.25 grams per pound of body weight. And then we're regulating, you know, are they a high carb, medium, moderate carb, low carb person depends on how they metabolize foods and, you know, where should their fat levels be. But once you find that level of consistency, you'd be shocked on, on how body composition can change. When I prepped for the 2018 cover of muscle and fitness, I did that on 300 grams of carbs a day, 275 grams of protein and 90 grams of fat. People are like, how did you do that? Like, you like, like, well, well, my body's used to running at 500 grams of carbohydrates. But yeah, the most people would say, well, you're in, you are in a deficit. I'm like, yeah, I was in a surplus to begin with, you know, for my total daily energy expenditure. So we all have our TDE, which is our total daily um, energy expenditure. It's a total amount of calories that we burn in a day. So if we're sitting on, as you know, if you're sitting on the couch, your RMR, your resting metabolic rate is going to show how many calories you're burning at rest. And then you have your activity and you, you can figure out from, from there, what's the total amount of calories that you're, that you're burning. But I've seen, I've seen a lot of times when we've just got some consistency into someone's caloric intake that itself has improved body composition. And they might even lose a little bit of weight in the beginning. I've also had people lose weight from reverse dieting. You know, someone's coming into you, well, I'm, I'm down at a thousand calories a day. And we find out that their total daily energy expenditure is 2,200. And then we spend the next few weeks bringing up their calories and they start losing weight. Like, how do you explain that? Like, they're not in a deficit. Like, your body can only be in a deficit too long, uh, so long. Like, you can't, in my opinion, you can't live in a deficit all the time. Like, the body's going to adapt and you're going to get weak and sleep quality is going to get affected and energy levels going to get affected and things are going to start slowing down, your metabolism, et cetera, et cetera. So we take a reverse dieting approach with a lot of people who have showed this level of inconsistency with their calories. And as we increase their calories, we will see sometimes a body weight drop or a, a definitely a, a body composition change. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I've, I've obviously I've heard the, the caloric deficit approach and that like a lot of people will say that that has to happen, but I've also found my own experience in eating. Um, when I eat healthier, I tend to look better than if I were just to eat the same amount of calories with eating crap, right? All calories are all calories. All calories are not created equal. I don't understand. I don't understand how people still argue this. They're like, well, if you get 3000 calories through crap food or 3000 calories through whole organic micronutrient dense foods, they don't do the same thing. Like your body's going to spend time trying to detoxify and trying to spend all this time working to rid the body of what is putting your yourself under, in my opinion, a, a level of hormonal stress. You can't like when you have crap food and you're putting crappy nutrition in your body, your body's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want that, right? So it doesn't make sense to me like how someone's like, well, if I have 3,000 calories to fast food or 3,000 calories, if Don was cooking for me, you know, that's going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. Your body, you're going to sleep better. You're, you're going to have a different levels of recovery. Your skin's going to be better. Your inflammation's going to be better. Like there's all these benefits that are going to come out of that. And I think that's a part of the problem. It's like, oh, this just has 100 calories, 100 calories. I'm like, yeah, but there's no nutritional benefit to the calorie that you're consuming. So yeah, that's kind of what I wish people would take a little bit of a different approach on understanding that calories are energy, right? And we can't always remove that energy from our body. And if you're in this deficit for a period of time, you're not losing weight. Well, 
you know, you can't just keep removing calories. If, if someone's coming into you and they're consuming a thousand calories a day, they're like, I'm not losing weight. Like, what are you going to move? 800, 700? Like, that's, that's, that's insane. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you've got, there's only one way to really go. You can't go down. You got to go up. But I think taking a very methodical approach to how you're going to reverse diet. And I thought, I think reincorporating calories in slowly and spending weeks, you know, I'll spend sometimes five weeks bringing someone up a thousand calories, you know, maybe 200 calories a week, which could be, 25 grams of protein, 25 grams of carbs, you know, and then maybe another week it's 11 grams of fat, which is, you know, right there, that's a hundred calories and maybe bumping up the carbs and the proteins a little bit also. So yeah, you take a methodical approach to, to reintroducing calories in, cause I'm not going to have someone just reintroduce a thousand calories in on day one. That's why people get discouraged. Right. And you brought up a good point that I think everybody needs to hear and that it's common that people, when they want to get ripped or they want to lose fat or whatever, they'll just cut calories completely. And, and like you said, they'll get to the point where they're eating like eight, 900 calories a day. I was talking to somebody about this, like not too long ago where they were like, I want to like get rid of some belly fat. I want to look better. And I'm like, they're like, well, what should I, and they're like, well, what should I be eating? I'm like, well, what are you eating now? And I had them like track their food. And I'm like, look, you're only eating like 700 calories a day. You're not getting hardly any dietary fiber. You're not getting any, hardly any protein. Like that's an issue, right? Like, so what do you think it is about like eating like low calories? Like, why does that cause people to kind of plateau a bit? Is it the starvation mode or do you, do you believe it's something else? Yeah, no, I, I believe it's that. I mean, listen, you're trying to run a car without gasoline. Like, how do you, how do you expect to demand the level of performance out of your body if you're not putting energy into your body? And like, yeah, I think it's really simple to break down, right? You have your three macronutrients, you have your protein, which is your building block, and you have your carbs and your fats, which are both energy sources, right? And I think we start getting into a bit of trouble when we start eliminating one of those energy sources. This is getting into the discussion of metabolic flexibility and talking about, you know, you know how we allow our bodies to use fats and carbohydrates as energy sources and allowing our body to use protein to repair muscle. And um, if you don't have enough of those other macronutrients, your body's going to start taking protein and, and, you know, using that as an energy source, that's an unnatural process. And then I think your entire, you know, system gets all out of whack there. I think just a really simple way to put it, but listen, I've, I've thrived off of calories and I've thrived off of allowing my body nutrition and I've thrived off of allowing my energy levels to be high. And I've always kept single digit body fat all year long from consuming a you know, a very healthy, well-rounded diet of, you know, animal protein, but where are they sourced from of slow burning carbohydrates of, of an array of vegetables. They're very dense in micronutrients, you know, fiber, things that are my body. It's very important for digestion. So yeah, you know, when you start starving yourself, your body's smart, it's just going to adapt. And then it's just going to say, well, we don't have the calories. You don't have the energy that your body needs. Slow down. And that's when things start going, you know, that's when things start going bad. Right. Right. Cause it's like typically what I've seen and I don't, I hate to be like a stickler for this, but people will be like, here, here's my, what I'm eating. And I'm like, you know, you realize that 20% of your calories came from like alcohol, like two glasses of wine, which is, was, I forget how much it would be, but it was like 200 calories or something. And they're eating a thousand calories a day. Like 20% of your calories comes from alcohol. And they're like, wow, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I'm not like the alcohol police, right? I think if you can drink responsibly, like that's on, on you to decide like how you do that. But the point is like 20% of your calories shouldn't be coming from alcohol. And we talked about like some of the, maybe the misconceptions that might be out there as far as nutrition. You've been in the game a long time, over 20 years. 
before the internet, before, you know, social media took over. And now people are, there's information on training, on fat loss, on everything that's being thrown at them left and right on Instagram and stuff like that. And you've also built your own platform and have a, have a great following there. Like, like what's the biggest misconception that you see right now online that maybe some of your clients have come to you and be like, Hey Don, like, what do you think of this? I think I'm going to try that. Or even just some of the content that you've seen, like what's the biggest load of BS that you've seen? I mean, there's, listen, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there, right? But I, I think it's also understanding that I like really categorizing there's coaches and then there's influencers. I think they're different people. Of course, a coach can have influence, but I think there's a lot of more influencers out there that are just showing what works for them. And I think this gets very attractive for people and they see it like, oh, wow, I want to look like that. I want to have those abs or let me do what that person does. And it's so inconclusive, right? Like just looking at a training program and not really understanding what the rate of perceived exertion is or tempo or, you know, when you look at four sets of 10, what's that really telling you? Like, what is that telling you? Well, how'd you train four sets of 10? Are you literally, is someone holding a gun to your head saying, if you don't get 10 reps, I'm going to shoot you? Because that's a different approach than someone just cruising through 10 reps, right? Like there's, there's so, so I think there's, there's a lot of inconclusive information out there when it comes to what's being delivered. I've always hated the whole no carb approach. People will metabolize things a little bit differently. And I think you always have your rare cases of someone that needs to be in a low carb diet. But I also understand that when people start ridding their body of carbs and they stop, you know, consuming them, they're really just dehydrating their muscle of water. You know, for every gram of carbs you pull in, you're pulling it up to about three grams of water. So it's very easy to turn around and remove carbs and say, oh, I'm losing weight. And then, you know, someone goes to Vegas and they go party for a night or two and they retain all that water back into their body. So I think these are really misconceptions that's been going on. I mean, yeah, I, I can't keep hearing, oh, carbs are bad, carbs are bad, or because that's nonsense, or oh, to burn fat, you need cardio. I'm like, really? Like that's interesting. Cause I, I thought putting on muscle is gonna, you know, help increase your resting metabolic rate and help increase the amount of fat calories that you burn. And but you'll go into gyms and you'll just see people on ellipticals for an hour a day, you know, wondering why they're not seeing any results. So I think it's, you know, that's not the knocker. That's not the bash cardio. I love doing cardio. I do a lot of cardio because I enjoy it. Right. But I also have to understand that if I'm keep doing cardio and I keep putting myself into a deficit, there's a cost to doing business as well um, from that approach. Right. You'll hear some of the trainers, like even like yourself or others that I've just seen that have been in the game for a long time, call out some of these people who have never trained anybody. Like they're like, these people have probably, like, based on what they're saying, they've never worked with a client. And that's like one of the, the biggest things that I've seen is like, man, like I deal with this stuff day in and day out as I'm still in the trenches working with the average person, right? Where they're coming to me with, with struggles on adherence. Like, how do I just make the, the take the first step? Or they're like, hey, I want to try this three-day cleanse, this 30-day challenge. Like, what do you think? And I'm just trying to, I'm helping them like kind of like go through a lot of this to point out like what is realistic and what's not, right? Listen, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, unfortunately, I think that's the first thing people need to understand. I mean, go to a coach, right? Like, like find find a coach. Like if you're gonna ask information or you're going to do a program. And I've seen very successful people on the internet who, you know, ended up getting a certification later on because, you know, they were getting called out for it. And, and that I think is bad. Like you're like, there, there has to be a higher standard that things are being held to. But on the other hand, you know what, if so-and-so, I'm going to make a name up right now, this person doesn't exist, but Mary, Mary Smith, 
you know, turns around and is able to get, you know, 5,000 people off the couch and moving better. And, you know, she's developing a community and no one's getting hurt. Okay. Like who am I to say that's a bad thing either. Right. So, you know, I think it really depends on the individual, but there's some awful, there's some, there's some really, I'll quote my friend, Charlie Weingroff, there's some um, um, offensive stuff going on out there. And I think just the, the average, you know, daily social media viewer, it's not their job to know. I can't even blame them. Like, how would they know? They're looking at someone with a good body on it, on them. And they're just assuming that they know what they're doing. Right. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, and I've been there, I guess, even in my early days before I became a trainer, I was like always looking at, I mean, even reading like muscle and fitness, men's fitness, men's health. And I would see like these guys bodies and I was like, man, I want that. And then like, I either become friends with, with people like that who were, who did like shoots like that, or I just started to like learn more about what it took. And then you realize that, I mean, most people, a don't look like that year round B the work that goes into that is insane and C like you'll talk to some of these people. And it's not like when they got to that place that their life was perfect. And they had this insane level of fulfillment and happiness that just they maintain forever, which is what most people think. Most people think once I get this body and look a certain way, like my troubles are going to go away. Oh yeah. No, I don't think I've ever turned around and said, Oh, I'm there. Right. Like it's for me, it's more about the daily grind. Like I, like, do I enjoy the the product that I'm creating and do, and do I enjoy looking a certain way? I'm not going to tell you, I don't want to be, I'd be lying, but I really, I really enjoy more of the daily effort. I, I really enjoy more of the process. I really enjoy more of what it's doing to me up here. I enjoy getting together with, you know, my team that I work out with a lot and, you know, us just going in there and pushing each other and just, it's that feeling that you leave with. And I think that's another mistake when people are just so, you know, set on a specific goal. They're just like, oh, I got to get there. You know, it can also add a lot of stress and it can also really clutter your vision where if you just obsessed a little bit more in the process of what it needs to, of what you need to do to get there, I think you're going to be better off, right? Like you just wake up today, like what do you need to do to get to single digit body fat? All right, Bob, well, stop telling me that you got to lose weight. Stop telling me how much time do you think I'm going to get this done in? Like those are nonsense questions. Like, why don't you just go in and do everything I'm asking you to do today? And if you could do that, the next day hit the repeat button, and the next day hit the repeat button. And when you start adding up, you know, all of those, you know, non-scale victories, I think you'll turn around and you'll be surprised at what you're able to create. I love that, man. It's like controlling the controllables and just mastering the fundamentals and staying consistent. And I, I would imagine that will determine whether somebody like makes this transformation is, is adherence and discipline and consistency. Like other than what you just shared, as far as like just literally taking it one day at a time and doing like what you've said, like what are some other things that you help people do in order to stay on track and stay disciplined with their approach? Again, it depends on the individual. I've got a guy I'm working with right now and I don't really do much one-on-one anymore. I mean, the only one-on-one I really do is, is, is charity. So I have a couple of charitable cases that I, that I focus on and otherwise I'll prep a couple of the celebs for movie roles, but even that it's, it's minimal. So, you know, I'm not working with a, a lot of people anymore, but I have this one guy who came to me at about 512 pounds and we just, with him, it was a very easy, well, how many steps do you get in a day? 400. Okay. How many glasses of water do you, you get in a day? Two. Okay. So we just up water intake and we got him up to like 6,000 steps a day now and you know, remove processed foods. And he's lost, you know, a boatload of weight. He's probably close around 50 pounds now in the last couple of months. So, 
you know, I, I think with someone like that, it's, you know, well, what, what, what do you want me to start measuring? I'm like, no, I just want you to stay here. And we're in this honeymoon phase where things are happening. I don't have to go into my, my bag of tricks and start pulling things out or start adding all this unwanted stress into your life that is going to force you to not be as consistent. It's working. Don't, you know, don't change it. Right? I think that's a big problem that a lot of people will face. Like and the example I gave before was when I dropped my carbs to 300 grams, 275 grams of protein and 90 grams of fat from 275 grams of protein, 500 grams of carbs and 125 grams of fat. So when I dropped those fats and, and carbohydrates, I lost like seven or eight pounds in the first week. And I'm sitting there talking to a buddy of mine and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I got to, I'm probably going to adjust it, it again. And he's like, why? And I just started laughing. I was like, oh my God, like such a, he's like, just why are you going to adjust? Why are you going to go into more of a deficit, go into the potential flattening out? Like your body's already seeing so much progress. Just stay there. So I, I did. So week one, I lost seven or eight pounds. And then week two, I think I lost a pound. Week three, I lost a pound. And week four, I lost a pound. So we're looking at probably 10, 11 pounds. But what I really noticed rather than the weight loss was just like vascularity in my neck and my upper chest and my abdominals. Every day I was waking up and I was like, where did that come from? Right. But I wouldn't have had that if I jumped the gun and I started, you know, removing even more calories, removing even more carbs, because then I would have flattened out. You know, I, I would have. It's a, it's a term bodybuilders use where you where you, you don't lose you lose that fullness, and um, my energy level would have went to crap. And the thing I prided myself on any shoot I've ever been in was I did a contest prep one, like a true contest prep once back in 2014. I said I would never do it again because I didn't want to dehydrate water. And there's too many things going on with timing. At the end of the day, there's so many variables where I didn't really was it that much of a difference. Eh, wasn't really noticeable. Maybe I, I noticed it, but there's too many variables that could um, cause me to make a mistake or wake up that next day and be like, oh my God, I blew it. Like I'm just, I look worse, right? So I, I don't dehydrate myself and I don't rid my body of carbohydrates. I clean things up. You know, I get rid of cheat meals. I get rid of alcohol. I really dial in my macronutrients and I continue to train really heavy, which is a huge misconception. People are, oh, I have to get leaner. I have to up reps. I'm like, no, train heavy, especially if you're natural. If you're a natty, you need to, continue to work on that muscle density and your body's going to respond much differently to someone that's on anabolics. So um, again, misconceptions. Oh, I got to go high reps to get leaner. Like it's nonsense, like bullshit. Like you can get leaner doing low reps. Like it doesn't make it like, actually I, I question it because you have to create so much more tension when you're going heavier and your overall system, the, the tension techniques that are being required to have to stabilize is really, it's demanding a lot out of your body. So yeah, I mean, I, I know, some of the strongest I've ever gotten have been going into the week of a shoot when most people are going to be like, oh my God, I'm just completely exhausted and I'm wiped. I'm like, no, my inflammation's down. Everything's dialed in mentally. I feel like I'm in a great place and I'm pulling PRs, you know? So that's, it's a different approach. But again, I'm not a competitive bodybuilder. I'm not getting on the stage at the Olympia. Different story, different conversation for someone who's, who's, who's going through that than someone like myself. And it just seems from what I understand from, from hearing from people like you and, and some others that are pretty well educated and, and, and have a lot of experience with this. It's like you want to definitely keep protein high and you want to lift heavy and you want to be consistent and I guess be realistic with your expectations. So for the average person, let's just say like, I mean, you, you hear this, I'm sure you hear this a lot or you have heard this a lot in your career. Like, Hey, like I got a vacation coming up in August. I have a vacation coming up in September. Like what's a realistic time frame that 
let's like the let's just talk about like the average person who wants to maybe lose like 15 to 20 pounds and look better in a bikini, look better with their shirt off at the beach. Like, like what's the time frame look like? Yeah. I mean, again, it's what are we dealing with here, right? Like what's what's that starting point? I know it's not the answer that you want to hear, but yeah, I, I really believe if you're able to clean up calories consumed and you're able to show a level of consistency, good things are gonna happen. Right. Like, and I think for someone who's trying to get beach ready, remove the alcohol for a while, remove the processed foods, remove the breads, remove the sugars. That itself, I mean, I, I've seen, you know, someone who looks like athletic, I'll see him in the first week or two lose five to seven pounds. That's someone who's athletic and doesn't necessarily, you know, have a high level of body fat. It's like an athletic looking indiv- individual. So um, I, I know just from water retention and inflammation, if you clean things up, but Again, people don't, you know, want that answer. They want something that's going to fit their lifestyle, and that's fine. But like, they're not also going to get into the shape they want to get into. It's like there is an answer to all these questions. Like, if you're someone who wants to take their shirt off, and everyone like, oh, that person looks athletic. They look great. Like, all right. Like, you want to be on a cover of, you know, of a magazine? That's a different answer. If you want to be on stage, that's a different answer. Like, there's there's all different requirements for, you know, these, these things that we're trying to demand out of the body. But, um, you know, I, I really believe, you know, you need you know, weeks to months to really allow the body to make some significant change. Now, have I done change for people in two to four weeks? Absolutely. They're coming in in you know, pretty decent shape and there's just fine tuning that's going on, but you can lose a significant amount of body fat and body weight, you know, in, in not a lot of time if you, if you take an approach, but if you're one of these people who are like, well, my doctor said I can have a glass of wine every night. Like, okay, your doctor said that. Like, different answers to different questions here. Like, that's just to live a, a healthy lifestyle of, you know, of, of moderation and balance. But if you're truly trying to get to that single-digit body fat level and you've struggled to, take, to get there, you need some type of consistency out of the gate. You need to be monitoring this for weeks. Because if every day things are all over the place, how are you going to know what's working? How are you going to know how to adjust? And that's the problem. People just, they don't know how to make adjustments because they get five days in and they're like, oh, um, I need a refeed. I'm carb depleted. Like you're, you're going to be fine. Are you following me? So I think it's just having this level of patience and allowing the process to kick in. For most people, you know, if they're listening to this and they're getting their, their workouts and they're lifting heavy, they're getting some good strength training. They're probably going to be good in, in, in that department, right? But I think where if they're doing that and then their nutrition is like up and down, like you just said, it's going to throw everything off. And I think that's probably fundamentally more important to get that dialed in first. Would you agree? You know, I, I used to agree with that, but now, but I, I've taken a little bit of a different approach. I just try and get people motivated, right? Like if, if having them eat perfectly or trying to get them to eat a certain way while they're training sometimes can be a lot for someone to handle out of the gate, right? Like, like I said, with this guy who was 512 pounds, like I just removed certain things. Like, I don't know how much protein he's getting in. Like, I don't, you know, I know he's eating, you know, three, four times a day and, you know, he's seeing such an incredible amount of progress just by getting his steps in, et cetera. So sometimes I think going at someone and throwing the kitchen sink at them is the worst thing to do. Or sometimes turning around and you know giving them that 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 diet that you work on is could be the worst thing to do. I think you really got to understand who you're working with, and I think you got to go in there and be a little bit mindful that if you give them too much, you can screw them up. And you got to look at their track record. This is someone who's what they're 60 years old and they've never been able to nail this. Like how how long have you been trying this for? Decades. Okay, 
what have you been trying? Like understand, get into their psyche a bit. And then at that point, it's, you know, if I'm realizing that they just have not been able to be consistent, I'm going to back off a little bit. And I'm just going to try and show them a level of progress and then slowly start building on that. Right. No, I, no, I completely agree that you don't want to throw the kitchen sink at them and have them be, be perfect. I guess what maybe what, what I was asking, maybe I didn't ask this clearly, is that I think you, you mentioned that you want to be able to have time to adjust. If you're somebody who is trying to, to lean out or if you're somebody who's trying to like reach some sort of physique or fitness goal, and if you set the time frame too short, you don't really allow for that adjustment period to see like, okay, like, do you tolerate better with more carbs, less carbs, like more fat, like what, like what works for you, for your body, I guess. So like my, my question is like, how do you get somebody, like, what's your, the first step to get somebody to know like where they're at? Like, how can somebody begin to know like what works best for them? Measuring macros sometimes can be, um, people will say it's overwhelming for, for them. I think it kind of de-stresses me because I have an understanding of what's going into my body. But I think once people understand and they journal for a few days and they look at what's actually you know, what they're actually consuming day in and day out, then you can start poking holes and say, listen, like your protein was as high and this week it was as high as 200 grams. It was as low as 90 grams. Like there's, there's a problem there. There's just way too much variability in that. So, you know, I think it's understanding where that baseline is. And if that baseline is not measuring macros and it's through measuring through your palm, your hand, your fist, your thumb, then fine, that's a baseline, but stay consistent with it. And then I think after about, I like to give people about two weeks of just and no cheat meals in two weeks, like two weeks of nailing this, developing some consistency. And then you ask questions. All right, well, how are you feeling? Energy's great. How are your clothes fitting in? Looser. How's your sleep? Sleep's awesome. Okay, great. Let's keep doing what we're what we're doing. Like that's those are some good signs there, right? Or even if someone's like, well, I, I gained a pound, I'm like, okay, well, we also increase your carbs and your body's, you know, getting adapted to this, you know, to this new macronutrient that you haven't been consuming. So let's give it some time and see if your body levels off. So I do know that it depends on the individual, but we got to give it some time. I like saying about two weeks allows me to be able to make an adjustment. And a lot of times if they're doing well, I'm like, all right, just keep your foot on the gas. And it's, it doesn't sound sexy, right? Like it, it doesn't sound like, you know, like, all right, like, no, we've got to learn. We've got to learn about our bodies now. But as, as I start getting that data and I start learning about the individual, then I can make, you know, some important decisions moving forward on where their macros need to be. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. So as far as like nutrition calculators, you see that a lot online where even with like my fitness pal, and I don't know if my Apple watch does it or not, but you'll see people, they'll plug in their numbers and they'll tell them how many calories they need to eat. Like, what is your, what is your thought on those? Or do you, do you have a better approach for the, like the person who's listening to this? It's like, Hey, how many calories do I want to at least try to, to start with if I'm trying to track things? Well, first off, I love Chronometer. That's my favorite company out there. They're the most accurate. They're data-driven. And all of their all their data in there is, is pretty much spot on. So I love Chronometer. I'm a huge Chronometer fan. I think it's understanding, again, where is your activity level at, right? Because if you're consuming the activity level of someone who's sedentary, but you should be consuming the calories of an activity level of someone who's you know moderate activity level, well that's pretty far off, right? Because it'll go sedentary, it'll go light activity, moderate activity, and it works its way up. So if you're consuming light, um, sedentary, and you're only consuming 1500 calories a day, but you need to be consuming, you know, 2500 calories a day to hit your total daily energy expenditure. then I think we got to take some time building it up, you know, and not rushing to get up to that level and see what happens with our body. Spend weeks, Spend a month or so, you know, just slowly, very methodically. It's only math, right? Like if you got a thousand calories to increase, you know, 
what have you been consuming? Like if you're a small female that can't eat a lot, like that might take us 10 weeks at 100 calories a week. Like she might not be able to consume that much more. But I think it's really assessing, it's analyzing how the body's responding over time. And then we're able to make adjustments. Yeah. I mean, you make some great points there. And I think that's like one of the the biggest takeaways, I think, for people listening is that there is no like overnight fix. There's no quick fix. You're not going to all of a sudden see something on Instagram or buy this plan. And all of a sudden, like you're going to lose a bunch of weight in a short amount of time. It's consistency. It's finding out what works for you. It's keeping your head up. It's remaining like optimistic in just doing the things that you know you need to do on a daily basis. And we could spend, we could spend all day, obviously talking about like how to address nutrition, how to do this. But I think most people, they struggle with just getting started, like what to do, like sifting through all the information that's online, as far as like how to get started on like a program that's going to help me like look the way I want to. And I think you've just laid out like a few good fundamental points specifically on the nutrition side of things, I guess, as we kind of bring things to a close, what do you think is from a resistance training perspective? Like, are there things that are non-negotiables with people as far as like frequency? I mean, the, the person who is just, they have time to go to the gym. Like, is there an approach that you like to use with, with the average person that can be like essentially like used for anybody? Yeah. I mean, I, God, I wish I could give you more solid answers here, but I think it depends on training history. I think it depends on um, how many days can they get in? I think it depends on sleep quality. I mean, if someone, I mean, I've worked with Hugh Jackman where we were doing two, two a days and I've worked with Andy Hathaway where we would go three days a week, right? Like it all works depending on the goal and depending on their work schedule and depending on their stress level. So I do high intensity workouts. I do volume-based workouts. I'll train more for frequency, you know, full bodies every day. Like I've done it all. Like I, I we, we've, there's, there's many ways to kind of you know, skin a cat here. But I think, again, it's understanding who you're working with on day one. It's all going to work, right? But I think it's understanding on day one, you know, what is this person, you know, what's their training history like? What's their schedule like right right now? Like what's going to happen if they're a crazy store and they're and they're on set? Is this going to affect their, their work or is this going to put them in harm's way? So, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting because then it allows me really to kind of curate something that's for them. And it's really, yeah, is it is it the best? Well, no, it's what I feel is, you know, as a coach, as having 25 years of experience, 40,000 one-hour sessions, I have probably at least done, you know, it's, it's looking and sitting with the individual and going through a questionnaire and saying, hey, listen, this is the approach you were taking. This is why you didn't like it or you're telling me you didn't like it. I think we should try this, giving them a little bit of a different approach, which I think it could be motivating within itself. But I mean, I've done it all with, with, with training. I, I, you know, I like the high volume workouts. I like the high intensity workouts. I like frequency training. It all works. It's all really good. But I think, you know, for each individual, we can curate something a little bit differently depending on what they need. Right. And what would you say as far as like the programming for like the average, like male, female, is it different? I mean, I, I know personally for me, like I love doing like a split routine. I'm just like an old, like an old school meathead. I'll probably always like lift like that unless I get injured, um, which hopefully I don't. But then like, there's some people that like doing full body. There's just people that just like doing more interval stuff to, to help to build like muscle and that. Like what, what do you found that works best? Uh, I haven't found anything that works best. I mean, it all works. I feel like anytime I get into a new training block and I commit myself to that training block, I'm suddenly like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? Like I, I feel great. It's, it's allowing my body some um, and my mind a little bit of variability. And I really, um, I really enjoy, you know, having something that's a little bit different. On the other hand, I don't like switching things up every day or every week because then I feel like you're not really allowing the body time to improve. 
if you're always going and throwing different stuff at someone, you know, sometimes I like, you know, being able to quantify a level of improvement if it's strength training. But yeah, if I get on, if I have someone get on a work capacity program, it'll probably be three to four weeks tops, you know, strength powerlifting could be four months, right? Hypertrophy, who knows, right? It's, I love kettlebell training. One of the non-negotiables I, I do believe is practice. Like no matter what, before a training session, we are practicing things that that person needs to improve, whether they're a bodybuilder, whether they're an athlete, whether they're getting ready for the, the red carpet, we're practicing areas and we're practicing to improve areas that they need to improve. And that allows them to be more well-rounded. It's, it's so true, man, because I think as a trainer, like one of the things that, that I've seen with people is they want like these, these cookie cutter answers when it comes to their training. And a lot of it is adaptability and what works for you time. Like how much time do you have every day to train? Like what's your like, home life, like, like you have kids, like all these things are so important. Like for me, like I'm a single guy, like I don't have kids. Like if I wanted to, I could do two a days and I, I probably could, if I just, you know, ha- didn't want to do anything else other than focus on my training and, and train a few clients in the podcast, but I have other goals in mind that it's like, all right, that could be good for a season, but it can't be good f- for the rest of my life. Well, dude, man, I love talking shop and I feel like we could talk forever. That was a good time. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Let me know when it launches and I'll, I'll throw it up on stories. And uh, again, like, like I said, I don't even know where the hour went. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. So if anybody wants to connect with you and they want to like, maybe like just read more about what you have going on, they want to perhaps like meet you in an event, or I know you have like an app, I think you're doing stuff with like, where can people do that? Yeah. I think just go to donsaladino.com. Uh, I think that's pretty simple. I mean, I'm on all the social handles, Don Salvino for Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Like I'm kind of cranking on all those platforms. So, uh, but DonSalvino.com is, 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 is a great place to kind of get filled in on what I'm doing. And again, I can't thank you enough. Perfect, man. Well, I'll make sure to plug all that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that, that Don said about like how he measures success, like talking about the non-scale goals. Or maybe it was something that he said about like the misconceptions in the industry or nutrition, um, adherence, whatever it was, share the takeaway, tag Don, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Vopes, and we'll see you next time.